When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome into today's episode of Future Brew right here on mazenbrew.com. My name is Vaughn Lozon. Join me as always, Stephen Asentoski, our five-tool Jabril Peppers of mazenbrew.com. Uh, welcome in once again, Stephen. How you doing today? How's your Monday going? Monday is going all right. I uh, actually made it on time. Listeners won't know this, but I've been given Vaughn like a five minute delay on each of the start times. So <laughs> it's because I, I sneak in a run post uh, post work on Mondays. So I, I jut out the door as soon as I can after work. And man, luckily I'm getting a little faster. So I'm, I'm buying a couple minutes to sneak in a shower before hopping <laughs> with my buddy Vaughn here. So what, what's your what's your mile time right now, Stephen? I'm sure everybody listening is curious. Oh man! So I just did a 5K at 22:06. So I'm not I'm not blazing fast. That's like 7:07 per That's mile. Pretty good. Yeah, I'm happy with it. So on a good day, if you told me to go run a mile as fast as I could, probably like 6:20 or something. We'll see. I don't wow. know. I haven't I haven't done a, a mile time in a in a long okay. long time. So. We'll have to organize. We'll have to organize something there. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, we've, we've had these athletic ideas kind of brewing for, um, you know, the last few months now. So yeah, perhaps, I don't know. I, I don't think I could compete with a six twenty. I mean, I I'm probably around seven at this point. I don't think I'm that fast by any means. I, I think you'd, you would probably have me by a good uh, 30 seconds. If that's the case on the um, next game day, We'll just run around the concourse of the big house. It's got to be probably what two laps or so of that is probably a mile. Yeah, so maybe a little more. Probably. Yeah, it would probably be around those lines. So if, but... you, if you see two guys just sprinting in the concourse pregame, uh, that's that's going to be Vaughn and I doing doing exactly what we say here today. It, if you say if you see one guy sprinting and another guy lagging behind sweaty and, and dying, just breathing for his life, uh, that 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 guy's me. Uh, Steven would be way ahead. Um, so that, that's just, that's just my prediction there, but anyways, <laughs> let's get to, uh, today's episode. We're going to start by discussing the latest commit for Jim Harbaugh and company in the 2022 class. And that is three-star linebacker Deuce Spurlock standing at six foot two weighing 200 pounds. He's from the state of Alabama, um, which honestly hasn't really been a state that the Wolverines typically get talent from, but uh, the 22 class is a little different in that regard. Uh, Spurlock is the number 49 player in Alabama, the number 111 athlete. And this is kind of the baffling part for me, Stephen, and we can dive into this, but number 1,274 overall on the composite with offers from Auburn, Syracuse, Mississippi State, South Carolina, a USF Vanderbilt and uh, a couple more thrown in there as well. Also visited Georgia. So the Bulldogs were at the very least interested in him uh, as recent as a couple weeks back. He is the second linebacker to commit to Michigan's 22 class as he joins in-state three-star linebacker Aaron Alexander 
in Michigan's 22 class here. So, Stephen, I'll throw it over to you. What do you like most about Spurlock? What does he bring to the team and what does he need to work on uh, before he gets to Michigan? And just that number on the composite, number 1,274. I, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that. Now, I, I understand that this cycle has been a little odd when it comes to recruiting rankings and guys kind of flying under the radar because of COVID, not being able to uh, have a proper junior season of high school football. So a lot of these guys that are being offered are really starting to stand out their senior seasons and the recruiting rankings have not really followed up with that uh, with a lot of these guys, quite honestly, with um, uh, especially the last couple that have committed to Michigan. Um, and Deuce Spurlock is definitely no exemption to that as well uh, as Mason Graham, who did actually receive a bump in the rankings pretty recently now at 719. Um, so long-winded speech over, Stephen. I'm throwing it over to you. You take the mic, buddy. Yeah, I think in terms of what I like for him as a player, uh, the ranking doesn't doesn't make sense, honestly. And I know sometimes it, it feels like a broken record when we say that, but for this guy, it's he, he's closer to I forget I forget what I said like last time, but he's closer to a top 500 guy at least. Um, I think he's definitely between positions, so he's not a safety, but he he's an undersized linebacker right now without kind of the athleticism of a true hybrid. Um, his physicality reminds me of Josh Ross, and I think Josh Ross was sorely missed in this past game. Um, but in terms of meeting guys in the whole, the just physical presence, as soon as Josh Ross hits somebody, you like the stadium just gives like an, Ooh, and that's kind of like the same thing that I would expect whenever Spurlock, uh, makes contact with an offensive player. So, um, he does have pretty impressive ball skills. So his closing speed and coverage, um, he's a plus athlete in that regard. So despite not being, you know, kind of that, like, that hybrid linebacker safety type, he would be a plus linebacker in coverage for sure. Um, Technique overall does have to improve, but a a great frame to work with and someone who uh, I think at 6'2", 200, it's unlikely he's really going to grow into uh, an edge player. So I like that he is slotted more for uh, more of like a a surefire linebacker than some of the other guys in the class. Cause I think that's just an area uh, we've spoken about in the past that definitely needs some some TLC moving forward here. So um, Auburn coming in with the late offer, I think since the last time we really talked about him, that's obviously a really good sign because when we first talked about him, I think it was mainly like Syracuse, Pitt, um, I think South Carolina had come in um, in August. So to have a Vanderbilt offer, the Georgia visit you mentioned, the Auburn offer come in, after all of those kind of like mid-tier power five programs, that's just a really good sign that, yeah, he's, he's definitely under underrated at outside the top 1000 right now. So, um, so yeah, I, I love that um, Michigan is, is finally getting some guys at the linebacker position. Um, one that the roster already severely lacks some depth and um, just need more bodies as a part of this class. So I think he's, He's got a ways to go just because of that technique. He'll have to bulk up a little bit, but um, I really like the idea of having a linebacker that's comfortable playing in space and bulking him up and kind of getting him, um, you know, up to the size he needs to be rather than 
teaching a, a burly linebacker coverage skills. I just don't, I think that's kind of backwards. So I think Michigan got a good guy here under the radar. Who's likely to see his ranking uh, rise quite a bit in the next few months here. You kind of get that out of Aaron Alexander too, with like the, the size and all of that as well with Alexander at six one two oh five. So he's got a few pounds on Spurlock. Spurlock obviously has another inch on Alexander, but I agree. I, I like what they're doing with the middle linebacker position here in this class because they've already got a ton of guys who could be slotted for that kind of edge uh, linebacker role, like what you were uh, referring to. I uh, already got a couple guys in that class. Micah Pollard uh, being one of them. Cavante Henry being another kind of guy who can who can do that role. So they needed a couple middle linebackers in this class to kind of round out everything and, and get a couple guys in that role. And uh, yeah, uh, I, I think this is a solid pickup as well. I like where they're going with this. And uh, moving forward, I think they'll continue to go after guys like that. So with uh, both Spurlock and Alexander, um, they were also both guys that the Wolverines offered earlier this summer on the camp circuit. Um, does it worry you at all, Stephen, that the two linebacker commits for Michigan were offered in a camp setting, not really seeing a whole lot of tape on these guys? Does that kind of worry you at all that they're kind of taking a risk on some guys that they haven't really seen a whole lot of football out of? Yeah, I think it's that's definitely a concern because linebacker, when you talk about instincts, I initially think of like safety position, but middle linebacker, especially. So I think there is a risk in seeing what their actual football instincts will look like and, and not being able to see that until they get to campus. Right. So I think that is just an inherent risk of not having enough game tape. Um, but you know what, if you're going to do that, right. If, if, you're giving that up and you're just seeing them in a camp setting. The best you can do is take a guy who is a good athlete is on a good trajectory. Um, and I, I think I, you know, I stressed it already, but being comfortable in coverage, I just feel like that's something that you just, it's really hard to teach a linebacker that, um, as well as physicality. Um, and, and, you know, if a guy doesn't want to hit or anything like that, if, if that's not up to par with what you uh, what you're looking for, that's even harder to teach than than anything else. So in lieu of having that sort of sense of what they're actually going to look like at the next level in terms of their instincts, at least they're prioritizing the skills that I think you absolutely need as a linebacker in uh, collegiate defenses these days. So. I'm with you. I mean, I, I would like to have more of a um, confident, like, you know, already top 200 or whatever linebacker. I think everyone would want that, but in terms of the skills of the linebackers that you go for without that, I think Michigan kind of nailed that aspect at least. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that for sure. But I do think that there's some, some risk, some concern, um, you know, it's a high risk, I guess, because they've seen him in a setting of some sort, which is, uh, you know, I guess a little more than what you could say, you know, if, if the pandemic was still at, at, at its peak, you wouldn't get to see these guys in person, period. So it's good that they at the very least got them on campus, got to see them in that setting and uh, they were able to uh, end up taking the commits there. So we'll see if it works out. I mean, I, it would have been um 
you know, if Lander Barton, I guess, had uh, panned out for Michigan, it would have been a little different because he was clear top target guy for a while. Now, it, I mean, with with him kind of out of the picture now, I, I would imagine they're probably done at the linebacker position here. But uh, with, you know, a couple project guys and they've got some guys uh, on campus already. Um, Nakai Hill Green has played very well. I've liked what I've seen out of him. Junior Colson obviously is starting to come on as a true freshman. You still got Kahlo Mullings in there as well. So they've got some dudes at linebacker. And, uh, you know, if, if you want to take a couple guys like Spurlock and Alexander, who impressed you in a camp setting, I, I won't knock it too much, but there certainly is some concern there um, as well, uh, taking those two guys. But let, let's move on real quick. And uh, on the flip side of things, we'll talk about basketball recruiting. But let's talk real quick about a 2023 prospect who is also on campus, who is being heavily recruited by Deuce Spurlock, even before he made his uh, verbal commitment public on his social media account. The guy that Spurlock was recruiting, his name is Nicholas Harbor, and this kid is a freak athlete. And that is exactly what he is listed at on 24 seven sports. And I'd imagine all of the other recruiting outlets as well, because um, it, it's really a toss up of where he'll end up playing in college. He could be dominant on the defensive line, or he could be an absolute beast as a, uh, a, a bigger bodied wide receiver or a tight end. Uh, those are the three positions that he is playing at Archbishop Carroll in Washington, D.C. He's listed at 6'5", 225, which uh, for a kid in the 23 class uh, and, and with the speed to boot, Stephen ran a 10.38 100-meter time, 21.36 200-meter time. Uh, those both came uh, during his sophomore year, runs track and field uh, along with playing football. So this kid is just a uh, an athletic specimen. He's currently ranked the number 10 athlete and the number 82 overall recruit on the composite on 24-7 sports very early on. Uh, but with the way that these kind of develop, I would anticipate him shooting up just a little bit once it kind of gets to the point where they kind of determine where he ends up at, whether it be, you know, if it's wide receiver or defensive end, you know, one of those spots, I think he'll shoot up for sure. But if it's tight end, I kind of think he'll probably stick around where he's at right now, just because historically these recruiting services don't really value tight end as much just because they kind of go based off where they end up uh, being taken in the NFL and how high their NFL draft stock is and tight end just kind of gets undervalued, kind of like the center position. It's just an undervalued position in the recruiting ranking. So uh, depending on that, he could shoot up for sure. I could see him being a very highly ranked player when it's all said and done, but Spurlock was recruiting him uh, this weekend in Ann Arbor because he visited for the Rutgers game. So he got to see uh, all of that, uh, great football up close uh, and personal there, Steven. So, um, yeah, I'll just throw it to you, Steven. I mean, where do you think he ends up best um, positionally? Do you think it's on the offensive side being a, a skill player? Do you think it's along the defensive line? And, and just, I mean, this kid's just a stud. You take him and you just figure it out later. But wh- where do you think he would end up best and uh, I want to talk about Spurlock, too, so I'll throw this your way. Just just the the recruiting hat was put on before he even verbally committed publicly. You got to give some kudos to him as well. 
Yeah, I think that is one of my favorite things that Michigan does for new commits is get them involved in recruiting right away. Because what that does, that solidifies what makes the school that that guy just committed to special, really fresh in their mind. And it's something that it gets them, it it honestly gets Spurlock busy, right? It it gives him things to do. It, It uh, ingrains him in the program quite a bit more. It keeps Michigan at the fresh of like fresh in mind. Right. Cause all this time, uh, before Spurlock and, and any other commits, right. They're, they're talking to a bunch of different coaches, a bunch of different programs. That's a lot of time spent just w- within those relationships discussing. And then as soon as you commit, it's kind of, it's kind of over. Right. And I know Spurlock mentioned that it was kind of a relief, right. That, that all of that is over. So when that's all over now, you have a good amount of time that that um, player was devoted towards recruiting and they, they hear a lot of things and learn a lot of information as a part of that recruiting process. So in terms of being down on the ground and knowing what made Michigan special enough for a guy like Deuce Spurlock to commit, they're going to be able to really reiterate that almost more powerfully than a coaching staff can to other recruits. So I think it's really smart to do that right away as soon as possible. And again, it, it doesn't allow any other programs to sneak in there, right? It's not like uh, Spurlock is just going to be sitting around doing nothing. Now he can look at a guy like Nicholas Harbor um, and other guys that Michigan is targeting and, um, and have a, a bit of a responsibility in, in trying to build that class. And the final thing I'll say just on that front is that, um, guys like Spur, like they want to play around other athletes, right? So it, it behooves them. There's your word of the day. It behooves them to build a really talented class for the future as well, because that's only going to make them look better. So there's so many benefits and I can't really find, um, any reason why it wouldn't be beneficial for both the recruit and the program itself to be, uh, putting that recruiting hat on, um, newly committed guys to the program. But, Nicholas Harbor, um, I, I kind of went long winded there because I was hoping I would find an answer to your question on where I would want him to play because it's it's one of those things where I'll wake up on like a Tuesday morning at like 4 a.m. just from a deep slumber and I'll just wake up and I'll just think like, what if Jabril Peppers was running back full time? Like, what would that have looked like? And <laughs> those are I, your I, uh, PTSD flashbacks. Seriously, like, it's oh just, God. Well, not even that, not that because. Jabril Peppers was used on defense because he could truly affect every single down on defense. And that's just a when a player is that special of a talent, you want to maximize the, the usage of that player uh, as much as you possibly can. So when I look at a guy like Nicholas Harbor, who runs a 10.38 100-meter dash, 21.36 200-meter dash, just to put that in perspective, Dumani Jackson, who's, you know, top – what is he top five recruit in the 2022 class? He's number five. Yeah. Number five overall, he ran a 10.25. Okay. And, and he is six, one, one eighty five. And I think at the time of Nicholas Harbor ran that uh, 10.38, he was something like six, four, two twenty five or something ridiculous. So add 40 pounds and a couple inches to his height. And you're just looking at a guy where, I say this a lot, but they just don't build guys like that. They just don't build guys like that. They just don't exist. So I honestly would put him, he's the ultimate edge 
rusher that you could possibly have in a Mike McDonald defense where he can drop back into coverage pretty damn quickly. And uh, him coming off the edge sounds really terrifying. Now, the only reason that I maybe wouldn't put him there is because you do want a defensive end to have some bend around, around the edge, right? You need some leverage. You need to be able to sink your hips um, and your short burst agility is really important. Now I didn't see enough film at defensive end to really tell if that's uh, a plus area of his, but I think even without that, he's enough of a threat at the edge position and has enough versatility to even drop into coverage and whatnot that he would make it work and he would have more of an effect on every single down than I think he would offensively just because you can't get a wide receiver the ball every single time, right? So, so yeah, man, I think I would start him on defense just for that reason alone, and I would still probably have those Tuesday morning wake-ups about what if he was a tight end or wide receiver and what would that look like. But um, he's a guy you, you try to get on, on campus and um, you figure it out later. But uh, everything that he's said thus far and all the connections he has to the program, mom being from Detroit, he has a coach who really loves Michigan – um, he apparently like burst out into tears when he got an offer because he watched Michigan a lot growing up. So when you have all those things and he's building really good relationships with a guy like Courtney Morgan, who's done a really good job, um, education's a big factor for him. So you got a lot of these things going in, in, uh, Michigan's favor there. Um, it's, it's just a, a thing where you just keep on it. Right. And what happens when a BAM offer comes in? Cause I don't see any reason that, or I guess what happens when Bama really starts pursuing hard and he gets on campus elsewhere. It's hard to say, right? It's still pretty early, but Mm -hmm. Michigan set themselves up about as well as you could right now. And all of the other aspects, all the connections to the program are about as strong as you could possibly have at this point. Yeah. You kind of nailed it. I mean, he's kind of looking for a little bit of everything when it comes to his future school. He, he, like you said, is, academically motivated he's he he could go to any ivy league school pretty much uh, i mean he's his gpa is is uh skyrocketing it seems like uh all the time as far as this I- interview that he had with uh, the michigan insider goes saying that you know it's around a 4.0 gpa right now was around a 3.6 and a 3.7 uh previously now it just keeps going up and up and up and obviously that's a, a huge factor and a uh, big advantage for Michigan uh, in this recruitment as well. But he's going to have a lot of schools on him. Like you said, once Alabama comes knocking on his door, it's kind of hard to turn away Nick Saban and everything that they would be able to offer. Uh, already got other offers from Penn State, Oregon, uh, Florida, Oklahoma, Notre Dame. I mean, he's got pretty much everybody uh, hitting him up all the time. And uh visited Penn State for that whiteout game that they had a couple weekends ago against Auburn, had good things to say about that as well. And it's going to be a tough one. These recruitments are always tough, especially with these freak athletes that everybody can kind of just take and figure it out later as far as position wise. But I I, kind of like him more on the defensive side. And and I say that, you know, kind of just because, when it comes to these guys, you got he's 6'5", 225. I'd rather have a guy like him rushing after the quarterback. If he's got the speed to do it, he's able to drop back in coverage like you had mentioned. A, a versatile athlete like him needs to just be put on the D-line and just wreak havoc in every facet of the game. And it would be very enticing to have him on the offensive side of the ball, but 
I don't know. I just feel like you can create more of an impact on the game, uh, especially nowadays with the mobile quarterbacks that everybody seems to have, uh, especially in the Big Ten. You got guys running around all over the place. So I would if Michigan were to get his commitment, I would want to put him on the D line. That's just me. Um, But he could probably excel at both wide receiver defensive line or tight end, I guess, whatever, uh, whatever they want to do with them. But that's just my thought. And uh, I, I think he's a phenomenal talent. I, I think 82, I think he'll end up going up higher at some point. I, I feel like he's one of those guys that could push five-star status and uh, honestly kind of surprised that he's not closer to pushing five-star status at this point. So I'll give you the last word, Steven, and we'll move on. Yeah. He's again, one of those guys that you get in NCAA 14 when I remember I did this once I found like a six, five, 240 pound guy who ran like a 4.45 and I just stuck him at running back. And I spent like multiple days of my life just running over everybody with that guy. And it was glorious because they, even in a video game, you know, it felt like a player that I would have created and he just existed. Like somehow he slipped through the cracks of whatever algorithms generated the players in that game. And uh, it didn't make sense. And he was similarly ranked. Like he was like a random four star. And it's just like, who, like, how did this happen? So yeah, even, even if I don't think he's going to change, you mentioned like tight ends don't get as much love as wide receivers or edge players. And I, I definitely agree, but given his versatility, I think he'll stay listed as an athlete and I'd be shocked if he wasn't top 50, honestly, closer, probably to top 30. Um, just because of, of that speed, you, it's a guy where you really can't go wrong with at any one of those positions. Um, and he's just a, a moldable piece of clay. And when you look at the rankings, sometimes they don't match like the collegiate production, right? I think he's a guy who definitely will need to grow in the technique at a, um, certain point throughout college, right? Because he, he needs to focus in on a single area, but by the time he gets to the NFL, man, like he's going to have some stuff figured out. So pro potential is what they uh, base those rankings off of. And he's going to be something, something to marvel at by the time he uh, he's three years through his collegiate career. Yeah. We're going to take a quick commercial break on the flip side. We will talk about some hoops recruiting, which, uh, I feel like it's been a little bit since we've done that. So we'll throw that into the mix as well. But it is now time to talk about our sponsor, our Maze Brew podcast, and that is Homefield Apparel, which is a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of the Midwest in Indianapolis. Not only is their stuff comfortable, but it is officially licensed gear. So they do not screw around when it comes to their designs. And the cool thing about Homefield is the team over there, they study, study every school's history, traditions, Legacies, with all of that, they create their thoughtful designs that tell the unique story of each university. And Homefield has some really awesome original Michigan designs that you won't find anywhere else. You can try to go on Amazon. You won't find it. I promise you. They got the T-shirts and crew necks that are original Michigan designs. Anything that you need to stay cozy this football season, they've got it. So if you want some of that vintage apparel, go to homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code MNB at checkout and you will receive 20% off your entire first order. You could get 60, 70, I don't know, three items. I don't care. You'll get 20% off. You'll get the whole thing. 20% off. Use that promo code MNB at checkout homefieldapparel.com. 
Welcome back to the podcast. We're going to wrap up today's show on the hardwood, and we're going to discuss some Michigan hoops recruiting. It's been a hot minute, Stephen, so we're going to bring this into the mix here because it was a busy weekend for visitors, not only just for the football team at the big house, but there were a couple basketball prospects visiting with Jawan Howard and his program as well. Four-star commit Terrace Reed was on campus for his visit and a huge target in the 22 class uh, for basketball was also visiting on an official status. And that's five-star big man, Yuan Treor. And he is 6'10", 225, lives in the state of Arizona, hails from France though, uh, which uh, could end up being good because Michigan has a uh, Frenchman on the team in uh, Musa Diabate. So that could uh, certainly not hurt in this recruitment. I'll say that, but uh Back in the summer, uh, Treor was ranked as low as number 91 overall in the class. And after a strong showing this summer, he has skyrocketed really all the way to number 10 overall on the composite. And he is a consensus five-star player. So back in August, he released a top 10 list. Michigan is on that list along with Louisville, LSU, Memphis, Oklahoma State, Tennessee, UCLA, Texas Tech, Utah, and the National Basketball League, uh, which is a uh, pro league in Australia. So his first official visit was to Texas Tech the week before this visit to Ann Arbor. So Texas Tech may be one of the top schools of choice for him as well. So, Stephen, I think uh, I think this was strategically planned here. I think the move of getting Reed and Treyor on campus the same weekend was uh, honestly, just a brilliant strategy to convince the two of them that they can coexist together on the court, work off each other's strengths and really benefit from each other. I really like that move from Jawan to be able to plan all of that out, get them on campus at the same time. Uh, so uh, well, let's just start by talking about uh, Jawan Howard's ability to not only do that, but uh, at, at least try and convince them that they could uh, play together. And I know we talked about this previously, but uh, refresh my memory. Do you think that they can coexist on the court together? I'll throw it to you for all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Just because of um, the versatility that Treyor brings in his game. Um, I'll go over his skill set. You can mention just about any skill that you uh, could could use as a athletic center and uh, Treyor will have that. So uh, I added my notes, actually, exactly what you said. Nice to pair his visit with commit Terrace Reed, because I think that's a big question of how, how will they coexist? How will they not step on each other's toes and ensure that, um, you know, it, it's a healthy bond between the two. And I mean, it, it goes back just to kind of just simple team building exercises, right? If, if the team isn't going to be on the same page, if they're not getting along with each other, um, you know, the team suffers overall. So getting ahead of that, and I, I'm sure Juwan Howard has spoken with both Terrace Reed and Johan Treor about the vision of how they'll play, what that relationship between the two will look like. I'm sure they've talked separately about that and being able to bring them together, um, you know, while Reed is committed, Treor is um, obviously uh, a top target at this point. Having that right up front and, and building that bond and ensuring that um, that is strong will uh, not only become something that is a 
a positive thing between the two players, but it takes away any potential negative recruiting for other programs as well. You got to think other programs are looking at Terrace Reed and it's like, look, they already brought in this other high four star center. You know, don't you want to be like the guy at this school? Right. So getting ahead of that right away is just such a smart way of just nipping that in the bud right away. Like it's just, there's no chance other schools can use that because if they do, Troy R can just be like, yo, I'm really close with this guy. You know, like we're, we're, we're really good pals now. And you're talking bad about, you know, someone that I I formed a bond with. So it's just really smart. It's really smart to do that. And the closer that uh, uh, commit can get with a potential recruit, the more comfortable that, that uh, recruit will feel um, if they do, um, decide to commit. And there is also hanging out with, uh, Hunter Dickinson. So there's another big guy that uh, you can form a bond with and, and learn from. So, uh, I think that's just, it's, it's brilliant. And it shows how, how smart of a recruiter, uh, John Howard is. So having a current player, a guy who's committed going to be in your same class. And then, um, you know, head coach being a guy who spent 19 years in the NBA, it's it's hard to build a better cast of of big men, either future, present, or in the past. Um, that's a that's a pretty dynamic trio to have guys going uh, going to recruit Treor. So, I mean, his skill set he's so dangerous with his back to the basket because he can hit the fadeaway jumper. He can lower his shoulder, get to the basket, and uh, two hand slam over a guy. Uh, one of my favorite abilities of his is to keep his eyes up and pass out of it to a teammate on the perimeter. Um, you know, he's not a guy who you pass to on the block and becomes a black hole and it's either score or a turnover. Right. So he has that court vision that I really like, um, those skills alone with his size would put him, you know, top hundred, top one fifty, whatever he's top 10, because he can hit jumpers, uh, anywhere, um, even showed a few three pointers in his film. Uh, so defenders really have to respect him away from the block because of that shooting ability. And he can even go coast to coast. He has a, a pretty solid handle um, uh, outside of, you know, just going down the court. He shows guard skills even at 6'10". Um, and, you know, I, I think there's still a jury to be out as a uh, defender overall, but he definitely shows the willingness as a shot blocker. So uh, how is he um, – you know, at other aspects of defense still to be determined. I think that's the case for most guys out of high school, but um, you know, he checks about as many boxes as you can. And um, again, I, I don't think we can say enough positive things about how, how Michigan and Juwan Howard has approached his uh, recruitment and, and bonds to form with other guys uh, around the program. Yeah. I saw his uh, Instagram post about his visit to Michigan and, you know, saying, oh, is is this the move kind of thing? And uh, Jet Howard had commented saying uh, pretty much like, yeah, come on, commit. And I mean, Jet, Jet isn't committed yet, uh, technically. Um, I, I would say behind closed doors, he probably is. But I, it just goes to show everybody's kind of just all in on recruiting uh, these these next classes here. And I think Jawan Howard, the way that he's laid things out, uh, really has his players buying all into the program. And that includes uh, recruiting the players that Jawan wants to come to Michigan. Jace Howard has been a very vocal uh, player on that front as well. Obviously it's, it seems like jets going to be that way too. Um, 
you kind of expect that out of the coach's kid, uh, but I digress. So it's just good to see that uh, all of the kids that are on campus currently, you mentioned Dickinson. I'm sure that there were some other uh, players there that uh, got to see him as well um, as Dickinson and, and Jace Howard. Um, but it's just nice to see that the, the players are really buying all in and, and wanting the best players to play at Michigan, even though um, you know they may not be there by the time that uh, these kids are, are playing in Ann Arbor. Really nice to see that. But yeah, as far as Treyor goes, he, he's clearly a top prospect when he was balling out in the summer and he was, you know, ranked kind of close to a hundred. I was like, man, I, I don't know what I'm missing here, but I, I think he should be way higher than where he was at. I think he, like I said earlier, he was number 91 at one point. He slowly moved up. He was like in the eighties at one point. And I was like, no, he still needs to go higher. Now he's at number 10 overall. Uh, sounds about right to me, I, but at 6'10", 225, he can do so much offensively, and it, it's just it, it's wonderful to watch, quite honestly. Defensively, like you mentioned, there's not a whole lot out there at the moment, um, so yeah, the, the jury's still kind of out there. Um, I, I am curious to see how things go there uh, moving forward with his senior season. Would like to see more of that uh, as well as just, just more defensively just in general, because I, I think I've seen enough offensively to get a grip of where he and Terrace Reed would be able to really contribute together on the court at the same time, which I do agree. I think they would be able to play together. Absolutely. Whether you interchange them at the four and the five, or just keep one of them at the four, one of them at the five, they'll figure it out later. But I think they have a plan in place. You know, they, they didn't plan this uh, official visit for Terrace Reed and, and Trey or to come to the same weekend uh, by coincidence. They, they've got a plan in place. They're really going all out for him. And I would imagine that that has been uh, relayed to both parties, both Reed and Treyor. So, Stephen, yeah. any final thoughts? I'll give you the last word here, pal. Yeah, my favorite thing watching his film um, is as I was watching all of his offensive production, um, the thought that just keep coming came came back to my head was just like, how do you, how do you stop this guy? Like, what is how do you match or shut down this player who can? so comfortably dribble down the court um, has a, at least mid range jumper has the ability to make you respect the three pointer and then can beat you down on the block. And it's just like, how do you, how do you defend against that? Um, and the only answer I could come up with was like zone, which you just don't see unless you're, you know, Syracuse. And even then you're probably not going to win against this guy. So he, he's, whenever I come across one of those guys, where the thought keeps relaying in my head of like, man, this is just a nightmare to play against. That's the kind of guy you need on your team. Because mm -hmm. when there's, when there's no good answer to that question of how, how do you defend this guy? How do you account for this player? Then the best solution is get him on your team. So you don't have to. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's, that's the thing that kept coming up with him. And I, I'd say that's, that's pretty rare for that to come up more than once in my head. Um, for a given player, and it definitely fits the bill with Treyor. Best way to defend him is just hope that the uh, gas on the bus runs out before he ends up getting to the arena. That's there you probably, go. yeah, that, that's probably the best way. Or or yep. have a uh, Zion shoe explosion, you know, something like that. Um, <laughs> one or the other. <laughs> just, just a total sabotage of Treyor. It's the one way to, uh, to defend him properly. <laughs> but anyways, I think that's going to do it for today. Appreciate you all joining me. And Steven, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Vaughn underscore Lozon. Steven, where you at, pal? At Steven Toski.
And follow Amazing Brew, Facebook, Twitter, you know, you, you know where we're at at this point. You can give us five-star reviews if you would be so kind to. We would greatly appreciate it and give Steven's work a subscription on the YouTube page. We would greatly appreciate that as well. For Steven Ossentoski, I'm Vaughn Lozon. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back soon. Go Blue.